Hey guys, this episode was really special for me to record. As a musician myself, I've always had the greatest admiration for fellow artists who dedicate their talents and gifts to something and someone greater than them. It was a total treat to sit down with someone who exemplifies that lifestyle. Michael Loy is, amongst many other awesome things, a father, husband, professional musician, and member of the Christian indie rock band Carrollton. Having spent his whole life surrounded by music, Michael has consecrated his God-given talent and love of music to glorifying his maker and Jesus Christ. I loved sitting down with Michael and feeling the passion he has for glorifying God in all he does. Personally, I needed to hear his sweet and genuine testimony. I hope that you listening will feel something special as well. Thanks for tuning in. Too often these days, we find people turning away from Christianity because their story doesn't fit some sort of Christian narrative. The truth is, there is no picture-perfect follower of Christ. My name is Jen McNelly, and this is the Eyes That See podcast. We tell the stories of why people choose to stay. Everyone has their own journey. Here, we have real discussions on the reality of what it truly means to be a disciple of Jesus through the good times and the bad. It's easy to look at the world around us and find reasons to give up. But when we have eyes that truly see, we find that it's so much better to keep trying. It just helps to know that you're not alone through it all. Okay, I'm here with Michael Loy. Hello. Hello, Michael. And my friend Casey here. He's down at the end of the table. Um, he will probably chime in. So if you don't hear him mic'd, we'll, we'll totally get him in here. So um, <laughs> I'm excited to talk to Michael. Michael, you are a musician, your father, your husband, you, you know, a lots of different things, not necessarily in that order. I'm sure you rank importance sure. and priorities in your life. But um, you also were a member of the popular Christian indie Christian rock band, I guess yep. I'd say, Carrollton. I don't know about the popular thing, but but everything else was correct about Carrollton. That's yes. yeah. yeah. I mean, I had heard of you guys before, and when Casey was like, "You should reach out to my friend Michael," I was like, "He's like he's in that band Carrollton." I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like <laughs> a little starstruck, not in like a weird way, but like I was like, "This is this is cool." It's just my neighbor Michael. That's <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> that's what Casey said. He's like, "I've just always thought of him as my neighbor." So that's all I am. That's what I want to be. You know. <laughs> that's that's a good way to be. Yeah. So let's start off, Michael. Can you just tell me a little bit about? I know a little bit, just a little bit about yourself already, but um, you know, where are you from? Your family, kids. How did you? get to where you're at now and kind of like the concise way and we'll go to deeper questions. You just asked me to concise a question. I know. Okay. And that was a really, big question. And that's really difficult for me. My well, wife would tell you, but, but I'll go for it. Yeah. Uh, I am from uh, Clarksville, Indiana. So this is my home. Uh, you know, I'm f- almost 40 now and I think I've moved about 12 miles like in separation my whole life. So kind of homegrown here. Um, so been here my whole life. Uh, you know, my parents still live here. Uh, same house that I grew up in. Um, so I guess we just don't like a lot of change, you know? Um, but yeah, so been here our whole, our whole life. Uh, I met my wife, uh, Jessica, 
Um, when I was 19, uh, she was getting ready to turn 17. Um, and so we, we started dating and we've been together since. And 16 so 16 years, I think you told me. Yeah. Right? 16 years of marriage. So it'd be 17 this year. Congrats. Yeah. Uh, she is my best friend. That's and, uh, awesome. and so, uh, yeah, we've, we've done a lot of life together and the, the craziness of what, you know, like I took her out on our first date. Well, I met her because uh, I was in a band with her brother at that time. Okay. And so that's how she knew me. Um, and then when we went on our first date, I, I went on the road for two weeks and did like a Midwest little tour real quick. And so that was kind of like, hey, this is kind of what I do, you know. And, mm-hmm. and so uh, being a musician at that point, out touring, uh, that was in 2001, I believe. And uh, yeah. And so got married 05 and uh, 07. We we had our first child, uh, Austin. He is now 14. And we got four kids total. Uh, Austin, 14. Jaden, 12. Mia is our only daughter. Uh, she's 10. And then we got Maverick and he is seven. That's so, cool. Yeah. Are your kids into the music scene and stuff too? Have you raised them in that? Totally. We, I never did push it on them by mm-hmm. no means. Um, but uh, all my boys play. Uh, my oldest, uh, his strongest instrument, hands down, is piano. Oh, cool. um, and, and then uh, my two younger boys, uh, they both play drums. Uh, one of them is playing guitar and he's and he's doing really well with that. Uh, sports are finally entering our home a little bit. Um, and it's probably because of Casey's kids, I think. Uh, so, uh, you know, so that's a little new to us. We not that I'm anti sports. I love sports, but that's just not my never was my thing growing up. Yeah. Um, but we're starting to enter into uh, sports world a little bit. So, um, so yeah, learning how to like, Oh man, we got another practice tonight or it's like right. two games today, you know, those type of things. Uh, but typically our home is, is just loud with instruments playing. So, which that, is great. That is great. Gosh, it sounds like my dream home. <laughs> I always know when the Lloyd kids are at our house, cause I'll hear the drums downstairs sounding more like, <laughs> right yeah uh well you know that i what i love is uh, uh with casey being a neighbor and then casey's brother-in-law is is a neighbor as well mm-hmm. um they've got like a little band thing going on now um so what? i didn't know this uh yeah they they've been goofing off and and actually goofing off in a really cool way so there is you know uh i I think if I got it right is uh, Grant is is drumming, Jaden's playing guitar, and then Miles is down there doing vocal stuff. So, um, I no so idea. yeah, like they're they're totally working on things, and I think I think it's awesome. Like I I love when I get to hear just uh, music in the house, and but our upright we have a, a small upright in our living room, and so my my oldest boy. Even when he doesn't really want to play, he just, it's like when he walks by it, he just can't help but at least just do something <laughs> real quick. And, uh, and I love it. But I also go, man, that thing is loud. Yeah. And, it's just it's hard to function upstairs when he's playing, whereas all the every all the other instruments are in our basement. But I never want to discourage him. So unless it's just really, really important, I'm like, I'll deal with the, the craziness. So, yeah, that's super rad. I did not. I didn't know there was a whole band going on. Yeah, that's it's it's great. happening. That's great. So, OK, so what 
since it sounds like you've been music's been a part of your life for a long time absolutely what got you into like how old were you what did you start playing and oh where did man. It take um i so my my cousin uh bought one of the little toy drum kits and you know didn't get my parents approval of course and uh and so that was really the thing like so i just my mom always tells me i see the pictures and you know like the little toy drum kit and you know mom just having to keep duct, duct tape in the heads because you know i'd go through them all those things um i remember you know i grew up in the church um my whole life and uh there was something about, you know, so I grew up, uh, in, in the AG assembly of God church. Mm -hmm. And, and so, uh, I remember, you know, having, we had drums in the church and, and I just remember like always being super fascinated, uh, you know, with his name was Dale mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and, uh, and just him playing. And so, uh, those are the moments that I remember kind of just, you know, triggering me, I guess, like to, Ooh, I, I know I'm drawn to this, but I don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I remember, uh, always playing at the church, you know, after church or before church, cause mom was on the worship team. And so I'd be there before, or after all of that, I was never a PK or pastor's kid. Sorry. Uh, okay. I wasn't a PK, but I certainly felt like one because we were always at the church. Right. Um, you know, I, I didn't, I couldn't even play T-ball because like that <laughs> interfered with like Wednesday night church, you uh -huh. know, those type of things. And, um, and I remember, uh, there was a guy there, his name was John and he said, Hey, you know, like I'll teach you how to play. And, so he gave me one lesson and, and, and I just kind of took off and then, you know, just, I'm skipping forward as much as I can, but the church said, Hey, we, you know, we're, we're getting a new drum kit. We want to give you this because we see that, you know, you're, you're trying to learn and you're trying to be a part of what we're doing at the church and we just want to invest in you. And I mean, that was eight or nine years old and you know, in the church saying like, Hey, we want to invest in you. Um, so even those little things in those moments, uh, just really stick with you. And, um, uh, so always grew up listening to music, being a part of the church, worship music, all of that stuff. Um, my parents raised me on pretty much like Southern gospel music. Yeah. That was what they felt comfortable with for the most part. Um, someone introduced me to, uh, Christian rock music mm -hmm. when I was probably 11. And, uh, you know, so I had to go ask my mom like, Hey, I, they say it's Christian, like, <laughs> but it doesn't sound like what you listen to, you know, can, can we do this? And so she approved, I remember going down to the local Christian music store and like, picking up this i actually remember exactly what it was it was a group didn't even know what it was it just looked awesome yeah. like it was this tape called trackster trackster and uh and i mean it was like a dude like a cartoon drawing of a dude trying to get in a door with this like nasty looking devil with like a, a syringe you know coming after him and, and and you know it was like mom it's in the christian store <laughs> and you know and um and to her credit, not only did she let me get it, she suffered through listening to it in the car all the time. Nice. You know, she really allowed me to uh, branch out as long as music she, you know, that she felt like was honoring God. Like mm -hmm. she always said, absolutely. Like, I don't want to just make you listen to what I want you to listen to. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so I remember air drumming in my room to like Christian rock bands all. And I always just saw myself like, that's what I want to do. There was no other thought in my brain. Like 
other than I think I wanted to be a garbage man at some point. But I've thought uh, about that too. You know, I have, <laughs> like <laughs> you do your job, you're done, and you can go home and like you can see different parts of totally. your area. I guess I, it was it was a real thing. You know, I told my parents like I, I want to be a garbage man. You know, um, but other than that, I. There was no other thing in me except really? music. Did I, you always want to be a Christian rock artist? I don't even think any, I knew anything else really existed. Mm-hmm. And that's a little bit, you know, of a stretch. Obviously, like, you know, MTV and VH1 actually right. existed and played music on their stations back then. But um, but to me, because of what my parents had kind of set up in our home, there was no option. It was like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to make Christian music and I'm, I'll be that artist. And, but I also like, I didn't hate going to church. I didn't hate God. Like, you know, it's like, I was trying to, to live a life that was at least somewhat pleasing to him at that point. And, um, so yeah, so there was no other thoughts in my brain of like, Oh yeah, I'll just be, you know, that'll be the music I chase. But I don't even know if I even really thought of it as like, Christian, non-Christian. That was just what I listened to yeah. at that point. So that's so interesting. I, cause I'll be honest. I mean, I've grown up Christian obviously my whole life, but in the Christian music scene, I couldn't name, I can name a few bands. And then people are like, Oh, this is a Christian band. And like, I'm like, I never hear any songs about Jesus or anything. And mm. so, um, I love hearing that, uh, being a musician, I've always thought like there has to be I always wonder how a Christian music artist gets inspired. And I'm going to circle back around to that. But was sure. Carrollton, Carrollton, I imagine, was not your, obviously not your first Christian rock band. Right. So um, how, how did you get into playing with Christian bands and start expanding into something bigger outside of your church? Sure. Um, it really started with um, what was mom's music at the time. Yes. Uh, the the Jeff store. Mm-hmm. And uh, they did a thing. I remember my sophomore year of high school, there was a guy named John Potts and he was like, Hey, you should do this thing called rock school. And, um, and I said, all right, like, you know, got, got mom, but mom was a little iffy about it because at that point, you know, they rock school, you covered, uh, you were a cover band of, of mainstream songs. Yep. And mom was very concerned about what songs we were going to be covering. And, um, and once she got, she felt good enough. We, we, she let me do rock school and, and that started, uh, just a relationship with, with Mark Maxwell. Um, and I was only, I guess I was 16 at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I only bring up that part to say Mark, uh, when I was 17 or 18, I don't remember which one, there was a, a Christian rock band that I grew up listening to called Bride. Okay. And and they were the equivalent of like, you know, Guns N' Roses, but just sing about Jesus. Okay. Like for real. So yeah. good. Like I'm they were writing them awesome. Down. <laughs> and and uh and they were from uh it doesn't matter, but a little south of Louisville. Okay. But they had toured they were a national christian rock band and you know won awards all this stuff so in my brain huge but really they're just from southern you know right south of louisville and uh and their drummer was leaving the band Mm -hmm. and and they you know because it's the maxwells and and they are super connected here in this town um bride had reached out to mark and said like hey do you you know you know any drummers and mark was like yeah i know a guy but he's like 17 and (laughs) and and these guys are double my age right um and they're like you know like 
let's audition him. Like, wow, maybe we need some youth in the band. And, uh, and so that was, uh, the begin right at the beginning of my senior year of high school. And so they auditioned me at mom's music and, and I got the gig. Wow. Um, and so, uh, my mom again, like, and I say my mom, my dad's super involved too, but she was definitely the vocal piece of, you know, yeah. um, it's probably why they're married 50 years. Like they, <laughs> they just knew their role really well. Um, uh, but you know, my mom was like, okay, what does that mean? You know, you're joining a band and, uh, they were like, well, you know, we tour throughout the U S we go overseas mm-hmm. and you know, we need him like to do all wow. those things. And so my mom had to go meet with my, my school, like the principal and be like, Hey, if like, he's going to Europe in October for a tour, like, so he won't be at school. I'm like, she question it. She just like, no, I gotta make this happen. <laughs> yeah. Because she saw the she saw the vision of what Christian music is, mm-hmm. and it's not about just elevating yourself. It's about elevating um, our Creator, Jesus Christ, God, right, um, Holy Spirit, all three in one, and elevating Him to make His name famous, not ours. And so, when she caught the vision of that, there was no stopping it. She didn't care, and she never, you know hindsight's everything maybe she should have pushed me to go to college but like she never she never did she never did anything she just said if this is what you're supposed to be doing do it and do it well mm-hmm. um and so in 99 you know i set out on i mean i was still at school a lot don't get me wrong right. but but i did and you know I, I would leave for two weeks here and there i'd be gone you know friday to sunday a lot and um and it was just never a thing mom just said do it you know and don't fail at school, you know, like keep your grades decently well. And, you know, uh, and, and that's what we did. And so I just started, you know, chasing that. And so that was the, there was a, a, another band before that, but I mean, that's where everything really started to kind of take shape for me. Um, and, uh, and those guys, even though it could have been awkward because, you know, they were married, had multiple kids, like, and I'm 17, Mm -hmm. like, but a couple of those guys really took me under their wings and, and helped me understand one, the business. They helped me understand why we were doing it. They helped me understand like the writing process, the recording process. Um, so just as a musician, it was really good to sit underneath their umbrella and learn from those guys. And in the player that I was, even when I started with them was not even the player I was three years later because, you know, uh, my mom would have not approved, but you know, uh, the lead singer, we were, they were getting ready to start a new record and, you know, it's like, Hey, we're this band, but we also want to, we never want to just do the same record over and over. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he calls me, he said, Hey, have you ever heard of this band called rage against the machine? <laughs> And I'm like, no, like, you know, and he's like, well, check him out. And, you know, and I immediately found out like, oh, mom ain't approving of this thing. <laughs> and um, but the reason why he wanted me to listen to it was the way their drummer was playing mm-hmm. and the way he sat in with the bass player. And I don't want to bore you with all that part of it, but those conversations help continue to create like the musician I was that kept opening doors to chase new things to, you know, find ultimately Carrollton. Um, and then, you know, the story just continues to grow from there. Yeah. That's great. How do you think, well, okay. 
we'll, we'll before I jump forward. So Carrollton, you toured with Carrollton for 12 years, 12 years. Yep. Fantastic. What, what do you think is the best advice you received from either early on? Cause you mentioned playing with bride, you know, that really set the stage for you. Yeah. What do you think is some of the best advice you received on how to keep focused on your mission as a Christian artist? Mm. No. Um, so there's a group, um, called big daddy weave. Yes. And, and, um, and so we, we were doing a, so Carrollton, sorry, that's who we is, uh, Carrollton, we were playing, uh, a festival and we happened to be sharing a trailer with those guys and, and we didn't really know them. Yeah. I mean, knew of them. We didn't know them. Um, and they didn't, they did not have to hold conversation with us. They did not have to do anything. You know, we just yeah. happened to be sharing a trailer, but they decided to really just invest in us that day, but not invest in us as to like, Hey, you guys like sounded great or you guys are doing really well. Or like, Hey, if you do this, maybe it'll be better for you. They really just talked to us about why are we doing it? Because ultimately like if we're only looking for achievement to make the band uh, or the business grow, like then we're in it for the wrong reason. And, you know, we should probably just look at a different avenue for Carrollton. But if we're going to say we're a Christian band, if we're going to, you know, proclaim that our lives, um, our look should be different, then what does that look like on the road? What does that look like when we're at home with our families? Um, they really took the time to say, hey, make sure you've got all of those other things figured out and quit worrying about just the business. Um, because if your home life is not strong, uh, if it's not rooted, if you're if you're like meaning your family or if your home life in the sense of you go home and then you're not invested in the church, um, like you're missing out on so many of the other things that are actually supposed to be important. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a great piece of advice of us, advice for us to really examine again, why are we doing this and to make sure that we're rooted in the right things, um, because I think it's super easy to get so gung ho on like, how do we grow this business? How do we grow this band? Because it was a band, but it was a business. Like, you know, it, we were trying to make a living doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, and the way you do that is to think through it from a business side of things. Um, but as long as our business decisions were rooted in the understanding of the main purpose, which is to take the gospel out to people and to, to share the hope of Christ to people, um, then I think we can we can propel and move in the right direction. But if our sole purpose is to better the business and yet we lose sight of the goal, which is again, you know, to share the hope of Christ, but also to make sure that like we're leading our families well. That's huge because when we're touring heavy, we're on the road, you know, I, I say if we play a hundred dates a year, that may not sound crazy, but we don't play a hundred dates locally. We play a hundred dates all throughout the US. So now you're talking, what are your travel dates like? Are you recording through the summer? Are you writing? And now you went from, well, you played 100 shows to really you're gone like 150, 160 days a year. Um, you know, that's not quite half the year, but that's a strong amount of time to be away from your family, especially at that point. All of us had young kids. Mm -hmm. And um, not that leaving older kids is easier, but, you know, it is harder. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, and so 
it was just really good reminders in those moments. They're the band. There was, we had multiple conversations like that and so grateful that people would invest in us like that. Mm-hmm. But that's the one artist that I can always immediately go back to like sitting in that trailer with them and then just really loving on us that day and making sure that we understood where priorities were. Um, and if we didn't understand that to take a step back and begin to look at it again. Um, yeah. I don't that's, know if I really answered your absolutely question. Absolutely, you did. That's that's great, Big Daddy Weep. They had a song. I was a missionary for my church, and there's a song that really got me through a lot of mm. a lot of that time. And so I respect that, and I think that's excellent advice. What are some habits you developed individually and as a band in any of your bands to help you keep your mission focused on Christ? Sure. Um, well, for me, uh, so my roommate for the majority of Carrollton. Uh, Justin and I, we, we had a lot of parallels. We were about the same age. Um, you know, we, we were having kids. He, he had a bunch of kids like really fast. I had older kids than he did, but he just decided to have like four kids in four years. Like, you know, it was just like, you know, boom, popping them out. And, (laughs) um, and so I really felt like we just really, really connected. And that is not to say the other guys, didn't connect by omen. They are some of my best friends. Um, but Justin and I just got to share a lot of life together and on the road. If you can't have real conversations that isn't about the band, like I need. So when I came home from the road, my goal was to be with my family. I probably almost too much, like sheltered out a lot of like my hang time and friend time, mm-hmm. Um, and said so like my bros, <laughs> my bros, um, as all of our kids say around the, the, the house these days, <laughs> our bros, uh, my bros were like the guys on the road with me. Mm-hmm. Those were my guys that I was very honest with. And Justin and, and Jordan, who's uh, here in town, he's the only guy from Carrollton that's in town. I mean, those guys, man, I had some really honest conversations with of just sharing hardships of road, hardships of home, you know, and, and having those connections, we say community is like so valuable and it is, we're not meant to do this alone. Yeah. We're just not like if, if we can't handle life by ourselves, like it's, I mean, I'm sure somebody thinks they can, I, I can't. So I'll, I'll say that for me, I can't handle a life by myself. I need accountability. I need people to go, Hey, you screwed up. That's not a good decision. Why did you do that? And I was that guy for the band. I was the guy with the oldest kids. I was the guy that set all the examples to everyone else of what not to do with their family and being serious. And, and I mean, they joked about it, but they were also very like, Hey, thanks. Like, I'm sorry you went through that, but thanks for like showing us like that was a bad thing. Like we shouldn't put that as a priority. So on the road, with Carrollton, that was for me a, a really special time for me to have really honest, very real conversations. And and then we could we could, you know, we did our best to have Devo time together. Um, it didn't always happen. I'd be lying if if I said it did. Um, but we did our best to have Devo time together. Um, we just really tried to make sure that like we weren't just going to play going to a show, going to a place and setting up, playing, going back, you know, um, cause I think we're just missing out on so many things if that's the way we treat it. 
So we need to have time together. We need to make sure we have real honest time with the people that are coming to the shows. Um, and you know, that was something my wife always said, uh, she, I don't know how much she meant this, but I think she was pretty honest about it, which was she, we got to tour on some bigger tours, but we were never the big tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and she almost didn't want us to be the big tour because there was intimate moments that we got to have with the audience that chose to come see us in ways that the big tours just can't. It's not because they don't want to or they, you know, they they view themselves as high and mighty and all of those things. That's not an accurate picture that I think some people get. It's just it's impossible to when you've got, you know, uh, an arena or a, a, a big theater of people. You can't interact with those people in the same way that you can to a room of 200 people. Right. It's and true. that was our audience. You know, most of our audiences were. You know, if we had a great night, it was three, 400 people. If we had a bad night, you know, 40, you know, and, um, but we got to have real moments with, with our audience. We got to have real moments with the promoters. Um, and it wasn't just us going, Hey, we got a bunch of like advice for you or, Hey, our songs are speaking to you. That's great. It's like, no, like when you take time to talk to people, they can invest in you just as much as you can do for them. So that's true. I, somebody says, said, says, uh, the Lord's work is done one by one. Like that's literally how Christ worked. That's how we make the biggest and deepest differences, I think, in people's lives. I mean, do you, can you remember any of those like intimate moments that you were able to have with maybe an individual or a group of people? Did anybody ever come back to the group and say, you know what, like this song or what you said, or I felt something that night that just, I needed. Um, that, that happened a lot. Um, and I hope that doesn't sound. No, 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 not at all. Like, You're allowed to. No, it, that happened a lot. Um, I feel like I remember faces more than I remember stories of just because it's a lot of, a lot of time of traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, some of my favorite things, um, and our record label did this was taking emails that you got about those songs, about those stories and, and either printing them off and kind of holding on to those moments. So when you maybe you feel a little, you know, a little pity party that day, or it's like, Oh, this is really rough. And, you know, or, or whatever it may be, or no one likes us, you know, all those things <laughs> like you can hold on to those things and go like, Oh yeah, it's not about us. Mm-hmm. It's not about us. Um, and you know, our record label would, would print those things off sometimes, or they would just send out like, Hey, we got this email and like, we just want to make sure you guys see this. And just as a reminder, like, Hey, it may not feel like it's going the way you want it to, or maybe it does, but, it's, it's ministering, it's hitting home somewhere. And, you know, I, I know we, I know we had emails of people saying, you know, they wanted on the verge of just, you know, whether it was suicide or just hurting themselves or just deep desperate, you know, like uh depression, all those things. And, and it's, it's all because of a song that the reality of it is it's three and a half minutes long, you know, and, and, you hope you have a good melody. You hope you have, you know, a, a nice hook and all of those things. But it's again, it's not about that. It's you know, it's about the message and what we what we always tried to do is make sure that we were writing songs that were were accurate with with scripture. Um, and 
and you let the scripture speak through the songs. Um, my, my roommate, you know, our, he was our lead singer and, and kind of the, the mouthpiece, he was the, the mouthpiece that you wanted to speak for the band. I was the mouthpiece that you were like, Oh, should he speak for the band sometimes? Yeah. <laughs> um, but he always said, uh, man, songs are just prayers with a melody. And, and that always stuck with me because it's like, if we can remember that and, and, and not think of songs as just this fun moment or any you know, this thing that just makes you feel good. But it's like, man, these are, these are songs that, and it's not just Carrollton songs. Like it's these songs, man, are a way for us to communicate with our creator about our creator to other people that maybe just need to hear it. And the reality is most of our audience were people from the church. Yeah. So it's easy to say, well, you're just preaching to the choir. But I think the thing that we always had to remind ourselves is, man, we are the church and we are some broken people within the church. Like we just are. And, and so like we all need encouragement. We all need to be reminded of God's goodness. We all need to be reminded of his love. Um, and sometimes we also need to be reminded that we're required we're asked to be different than the world. Like it's not just love and mercy. Like there's other parts of it too. Like it says he's jealous for us. Like he wants all of us. Like he doesn't want just a part of us. He wants all of us, you know? And, um, those, those songs, those moments, I think they are, uh, honestly, I, I may have just got lost in my own thought because I wanted to combine two different things. But at the end of the day, we wanted to create songs that pointed people to Jesus, not pointed people to us. And, um, and I feel like, I feel like we did that. Um, there's a lot, you, you brought up the question of, you know, do you remember stories? Remember things? Um, I had this conversation literally yesterday with somebody and it was, it's the idea of, uh, sometimes we write songs, you know, we think of like singer songwriters that they get to tell these like really personal songs, you know, like you get a lot of in-depth material in, in a lot of singer songwriter, but on a lot of radio songs, it's, it's maybe a little bit more a general thought yeah. with the idea of like, Hey, we're, we want to appeal to maybe a little bit bigger audience. And the more general you make it, the more people can gravitate and hear their hear how they connect with it. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily agree with that thought um, because I think sometimes when we really dig deep into uh, a thought or a lyric as well, we're reminded of things that maybe doesn't sound just like that story in that song, but we all experience the emotion of that song. And so if the song is talking about a pain or a hurt or a joy or, you know, it's not just always the negative side. Like, yeah, we may not understand what that song is really talking about, but it brings that emotion inside of us that now all of a sudden, now I can relate to this song. And when the song is pointing us to scripture, when the song is pointing us to our creator, it doesn't matter if we necessarily can feel exactly what that song is talking about. Now we're in our own place where that song resonates with us. And now it starts hopefully asking us to ask questions have a conversation with somebody. If it, you know, we talk about people coming to shows and man, they're in a terrible spot, but you play that one song 
and for some reason it hits them in the right way. And now they want to, they want to ask the friend that brought them, they want to go to their church. They want to go home to their wife or husband and just say like, Hey, let's talk. Mm -hmm. What is this song about? Or like, I don't even care about this song, but I felt this tonight because, you know, during the show and we need to, we need to talk let's dig deeper together. Yeah. Sorry, I I took a long Don't way to say a lot apologize. of things. So I love that, and I being a musician, like and growing up around music, songs to me, like when it comes to a testimony of God or of His healing power, whatever it is, I think that there's no better way for me to feel it into. I'm not a good songwriter, but I have been affected by songs and other people's testimonies through their lyrics and their words more than anything, and so. I like that. How real quick before yeah, you, go ahead. I just want to piggyback off what you just said. Like we just met literally. Yeah. Um, I don't know your story and you, and you're slowly learning mine, but after today you still really won't know my story, you know, a whole lot. And it doesn't matter because we may be two totally opposite people, but if we really sit down and, and just go like, Hey, do we feel kind of the same emotions? Do we do all these things? Next thing you know, we're not really, our stories really aren't that far off. It's, it's the, it's the really fine details of our stories that may look completely different, but all of the emotions that you're feeling through whatever you are, I am too. And, and that's when I say like, man, the, there is power in music because you got three and a half minutes of emotion and you know, all of these just things that, that come out in a song and it doesn't matter that you don't know me and I don't know you and, and you may never meet this artist or whatever. And like when the lyrics speak to somebody and the thing is it can happen without being scripture based. Mm-hmm. Like I, I do believe that, but when you can write songs that are based and founded in scripture and they can point people to our creator, man, like that's powerful. It's so powerful. It's the only shared language that I think anybody can understand across the board because it's it's that's what it is it's a feeling you don't have to understand the words absolutely i I love that i say that all the time too like music is this universal language Mm -hmm. it may be in a completely different language but the rhythm inside of it can grab you i don't know how it does it but there's something in all of us that just gravitates to that and then again i mean i've said this probably 10 times now but when you combine it with taking what I believe is just the only thing that is the exact truth, which is the gospel in scripture. And when you can pour those things into those lyrics and now it's like, man, you've set this whole other thing out. That is not just like, it's not just a feeling. Mm-hmm. It's something so much more than that. And it's weighted and it's rooted in truth. Gosh, I love that. Have you ever dealt with feelings and this is anybody and everybody not just a musician and i know the answer is going to be yes but like how maybe i should say how do you deal with feelings of inadequacy like i gosh i'm sure we all have moments conversations days wherever where we're we've done something we've said something and at the end of the day you're like that was not my best work and yet i have to go out tomorrow and proclaim to be like yeah i'm a christian or i'm a follower of christ when like me personally, sometimes I don't even feel worthy. And it's not even that I did anything bad, but worthy to claim that title, like as a disciple of Christ. And especially I can imagine as a musician, somebody that goes out every single day and their whole mission is to do what you just said, to proclaim 
the good news, to proclaim the gospel of salvation? How have you dealt with those feelings of inadequacy or feelings of like, well, dang it, like, uh, maybe that wasn't my best work. I shouldn't have said that or I shouldn't have done that. Like, And then have to go back and be like, but at the same time, this is my responsibility. If that makes sense, how do you balance between being a human being and being a living, breathing example of your full-time gig, what you do mm-hmm. of being a disciple of Christ, but proclaiming his message through your actual day-to-day, I guess you could call it work, but sure. what you do. No, uh, it, for me, I mean, in those moments, like when we're on the road and you know, you're in a, you're in a town one night in the next day, you're somewhere else. And so it is, it is a little like, oh man, like, you know, you, you got kind of one shot to a lot of people, um, in their eyes. Um, the reality of it is, is that we're human and, and, and so I'm not, I'm not worthy. None of us. (laughs) Right. I'm not worthy. I'm, I'm not adequate. There's way more musicians, way more people that are better songwriters, players, vocalists, all those things. But yet for some reason in that moment of time, God allowed me the opportunity to do those things. And I think you probably see this in, in your life and just what you do. Like people want, realness even when it makes you look a little nasty sometimes mm-hmm. because i think it's a not everybody some people you know, they just want you to be on the pedestal and you look a certain way but i think the majority of people want realness because reality is none of us man are, are are like really got it figured out right and and so for me for me personally on the road like i i just wanted to have real moments with people and sometimes in my real moments were also kind of the, not the greatest moments, mm-hmm. but it, it also required me to acknowledge those moments. Humility. And, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, I'm sure I was just amazing at humility on the road. <laughs> I'm, I'm, no, I'm sure I was not. Uh, you know, I, there's been plenty of times where, you know, you send a follow-up text, you send a follow-up email. Um, obviously you can't do that to your audience, but, Thankfully, uh, I wasn't allowed to talk from stage usually. So, uh, um, you know, we toured with a guy that he opened my eyes to an audience just saying, no, like we like you for who you are, not what we think we want you to be. And what, and it really just came down to, he had a he had a, a really bad uh, like a, a speech impediment for I think is what you would call it. He could sing perfect. It's, I don't understand how that works anyway. Like how you can sing and not be like fumble over a word at all, but yet as soon as you start talking, like I mean, you know, he'd get caught on the like the most random words every night. Mm-hmm. Um, in in those moments, he you know he he because we we did a lot of road time with with this guy and. And he shared with, he's like, man, that used to, I used to feel so small in those moments. I used to like worry, what are people going to think about me? Like, what, like, what's he going to say? You know? And what he realized is like the audience in those moments, they, they actually really liked that part of him because there were people out there, like whether or not they had the exact same thing, they had things that they were like, they felt really like weird about. And yet he was out playing music, doing what he loved 
sharing the hope of Christ, doing it with this thing that like would trip him up and you would never, I mean, you know, you never knew what he was going to say sometimes. Be real with people because people want realness. They're tired of like, you know, if you're happy, be happy. But if you're not, you don't have to always pretend to be happy. Yeah. Like, you know, it's okay to show yourself a little bit. And because you might actually end up in some other conversations that need to happen that night. And there, I think there was a lot of truth in that. Um, but sometimes you did have to, like I said, you, it's like, Ooh, I really showed myself on that one. Oh, so it's well, not my best work. Yeah. I need to yeah. rewind. I like what you just said. Cause you might actually end up in some conversations that need to happen. And I had never thought about it that way before. Um, what would you say to somebody that's trying to, that might be, whether it's in a band or just everyday life, how do you, how does somebody consecrate or dedicate their gifts to God in a way that's not necessarily even faith-based? How do you, what would you say to somebody that's wanting to do that? Mm. Um, I think I would, I think I would say, um, you know, you, one, you need to, passion is a big part of it. Um. I always, so, well, no one will see it on your podcast, but, but I will show you. So I have a tattoo in my arm says everything or nothing. And then there's, you know, this drawing, um, it's the idea of, I don't want to do anything in the metal. I'd rather be really bad at it and just, you know, not do it at all or give everything I got to it, but I don't want to do anything just in the middle to kind of get through it. Um, and that goes for the way I do you know, my, my marriage, my family, it's the way we did our band. It was like, if it's not worth doing with everything in us, don't do it. Um, and so, um, when you're chasing that thing, um, and I'm leaving out the, the spiritual side of it for a minute, I'm Mm -hmm. just saying when you're doing that thing, whatever it is, do it with everything you got, because if you just go at it halfway, like, I, I don't know what you achieve from it. I'm not saying you can achieve something, but I don't know w- what is it. What's that satisfaction in there? But from a scripture, faith-based, my my belief is God has asked of everything from me. That doesn't mean I, I want to always give him everything because sometimes that's hard. Actually, a lot of the time it's hard. Um but I also don't want to just cakewalk through it either. Um, because I, if I look at the life of Christ, it wasn't easy, (laughs) you know, and yet somehow he lived a perfect life, but yet I know I can't, but I want to pursue it. I want to pursue excellence. That doesn't mean that's my ultimate goal because I will never hit it. Like, but I want to pursue it. I don't want to just go, well, I can't achieve it. So I'm not going to try it. I, I want to pursue it knowing that I will fail, but that I'm giving it all I got. So whether that's, you know, whether you're a believer or not, I would always say chase whatever you want and do it with everything you got inside of you. But I really believe as, as a, a follower of Christ that he is, he is telling us, I mean, commanding us to chase after him with everything that we have to hold nothing back. And it will be hard. It will not always be fun. It will not always be rosy and peachy, but there will be times that it will be. Yeah. But 
if we just set our eyes just on the the easy attainable small goals small dreams you know if it's easy for me to to go to casey's house and you know it's easy for me to go to Casey's house if, you know, and bring him a meal or to check on him because I already know him. Is it easy for me to go to the neighbor that I don't know? Well, that's a lot harder because I'm like, well, shoot, like, are they going to think I'm a weirdo? You know, like, why, why are they coming over here? But I should be pursuing that. I shouldn't just fault to, I want to go to where I'm comfortable. Yeah. Um, sorry. Again. No, that's perfect. Uh, I think comfort can be a little dangerous sometimes because the Lord expects us to push out of our comfort zone and sure discipleship is not easy. Uh, what is it? Christianity's not comfortable. It's comforting, but mm. it's not, it's not. How has your, in your pursuit of giving it your all, because you really have, from what I can tell, just a short time together, you have, you, you at least give it your all to try to live exactly what you feel like God has called you to do. How has your wife supported you and, um, how has your family really become not just some would say, oh, my family is here and my life is here, but it, it's not that way. It's it's one. So how has your wife supported you? How have your kids supported you? How have you supported each other? Sure. Well, my wife's a rock star. Yeah. Uh, like the biggest rock star, period. Uh, uh, and I will I'll go down swinging on that on that one. Um, but <clears throat> we. And I didn't, I, I don't know if I even got it right towards the end of Carrollton, but I feel like I had a better, like, um, understanding of, of what it should be. Um, but we always said one collectively is a band. And, and that's, I, I go back to that first because I think that's huge. We as a band, like if, if one guy in the band is thinking one thing, but the other guys are like, no, like, forget all of that. We're chasing the, you know, whatever, like it's not going to work. We all had to be in kind of a unity of like, what are the priorities and how do we make this work? The band does not work if our families are falling apart. So at home life has to be top notch. Doesn't mean we don't jack up, you know, and come home and, you know, screw up all the routines that, that, you know, our wives had, had yeah. set. But if our, if our home life is not working, the band doesn't work period because i'm not i'm not chasing the band to give up my family or i'm not giving up my family to chase the band right right um you know i'll ditch the band in a heartbeat focus on my family and and so it was really trying to be um very intentional all throughout my wife supported um i mean you know we had four kids throughout the whole process um uh, I mean, there's, there's a couple conversations from the road that, you know, were not fun to have. Um, but to her credit, even when chaos was happening at home, she, she never really brought that to me in those moments. Um, at least out of frustration, you know, we had conversations and those things would come to light, but she would, we would never get on the phone and she's just like, Oh my gosh, like, why are you on the road? You know, she, she was a part of Carrollton. And so were the other three wives. Like we, we would say from stage, like, Hey, you see four people from Carrollton, but there's actually eight 
adults and 13 kids yeah. that make up Carrollton. Because if that wasn't Carrollton, it didn't work. Um, and she, I, I don't, I don't know how she always handled it because there was just times where whether it was we were traveling or just saying, Hey, I've got another trip. I just got to get, you know, I got to go to Nashville real quick. Mm -hmm. Well, going to Nashville is still a day, you know, like there is no real quick going to (laughs) Nashville. Um, and you know, I don't, I don't compare, uh, comparison is death. I don't compare, to, you know, some people travel way more than that and they figure out how to make it work. Mm. We kind of knew our dynamic and, and I had to really learn the dynamic of our home life and really try to honor that. And, um, and I did my best to honor that. And Jess, she always supported Carrollton. There was never a moment where she was like, Hey, uh, uh-uh, this isn't working we had real conversations of what we needed to do to make certain things change throughout the time. Mm-hmm. But you should always, you should always have those conversations. And I, I don't, I don't care if you travel or yeah. you both come home every single night, you should be communicating and making sure the dynamic at home is working. And if it's not figure out what's wrong and how do you adjust those things? Like life three months ago is not life now. Yeah. No. So what you agree upon and say like, Hey, this will work then. You know, it may not work now. So, but if you just assume that conversation three months ago still applies to today, well, you you may be assuming the wrong thing. So, um, so just honest conversations. Yeah, that's key communication. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I guess kind of like the last couple of questions I have for you, and <clears throat> I think you did touch on this and you've answered it, but the world society is beautiful and crazy at the same time and i mean we know just things are getting confusing for a lot of people and there's always so many different messages out there you as a musician whether it was in Carrollton or even now what is the main message if you could leave one message with anybody um what would you hope them hope for them to feel or to know through your music sure um Well, right now, I think the biggest thing that I want people to hear is that there's a, there's a God that loves them and that cares about them, but it's more than that. He, he's still asking of us. He's still requiring us to do things, to chase things, um, to don't be content. Um, we speak at our church right now of, uh, we speak of the word revival a lot and, and when we first started speaking about that, I go back to, you know, my, my upbringing and it's like, not that we were, we never did quote unquote tent revivals, but it was kind of that thing. Right. And so I think it's easy to think of like, oh, we're going to set a week aside and we're going to like do all these like radical things. And mm-hmm. it's like, no, like, like we want a fresh new, like move of God to, to, to come in, uh, whether that be to our church, to our community you know, our church says that, you know, we, we, we want to see lives transform in our, in our neighborhoods, uh, our generations and our nations through Jesus Christ. And, and that's what we want and that's what we believe. And, but we think that is, uh, leaning into understanding what, what, who God is and what he is asking of us. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think in this crazy world, you know, um, it's always been a little crazy, 
I think we all think it's probably a little crazier now, but we just are exposed to crazy a little bit more. Right. Right. Uh, Social media has really brought on the crazy, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, just, just that idea, like, yes, God is a God of love. He is a God of grace and mercy. And I don't, there isn't anything in me that says that's not true. Like I believe that wholeheartedly, but I also do think like just because there is grace and there is mercy and there is forgiveness that that does not give us this Avenue to just be, Hey, we can kind of do what we want. Like, no, we are called to live a different life and then, than the world around us. And that's really hard right now, but to trust God and say, no, you are, you are worth me pursuing that um, because you pursued me. So now I, I want to try to pursue you back. Gosh, I love that. It's really about becoming, isn't it? Mm. It is. It's a process. Um, being different is even today. I mean, you stand out a little bit more, the more different you are, but that's exactly what we're called to do. Yeah. Uh, gosh, I love that. I, I could ask you so many questions. I'm just like, I love it. Um, how to kind of, to wrap this up, how have you, Michael Roy, how do you recognize God's hand in your life every day now? (laughs) Uh, waking up, seeing my family, being able to, uh, so I, I work at a church now but I also attend that church and, and I get to do both. I don't just work there. I attend there. I be a part, I get to be a part of the services. I get to work. I get to go to a church. I get to worship freely. Um, there's not all these limitations on, on those things. Um, I look around and, and I, and I see that I can go work. Like I, Everything I'm telling you is like the most basic thing, but, but the reality for me is that everywhere I look, there is God. There's a book that, uh, I don't read very much. I I don't like it. It's not my thing. Um, (laughs) but there is a book that I actually completed twice, which is a big deal for me. Um, and it's called glimpse, uh, uh, glimpses of God and, and it's just each chapter is kind of a story from this author of just points in his life all throughout, you know, he's I think he's late fifties, early sixties. And, um, and it just points to like everyday simple things where God is and, um, nothing earth shattering about the book at all, but it was such a good reminder to me of like, Oh, there's God, there's God. And like the very opening, uh, story in the book is him and, you know, younger age, uh, running in the fields, like, uh, you know, old enough to drive, but running in the fields with some, some buddies, they're out hunting or something. And, um, a storm rolls in and now it's like, you know, super dark outside. It's cold, like, you know, winter time storms rolling in, um, now it's pitch black. They're in an area that they're not super familiar with and they kind of got turned around. Like, so now they don't really know where they're at. And, you know, I assume they're probably like, what do we do? And, uh, when the storm starts happening, lightning flashes and, and when the lightning flashes, it lights up the sky 
and in a completely dark environment, it lights up that area really well. Mm-hmm. And he says, for that moment in time when the lightning hits, I can see X amount of feet, X amount of yards in front of me. I can at least get my bearings. So I would just start running till I couldn't figure out where my bearings were anymore based on the light I just saw. And, you know, long story short, the lightning gets him back to their cars and they get them out of their woods and, and, you know, everyone's safe. Everyone's fine. Not a great story other than the fact of for him at 16, 17 years old, a glimpse of God was literally the power of lightning in a storm, like revealing the light that he needed to move forward so he can continue the journey to get back to normal life that day. Mm -hmm. And while again, not earth shattering, what I love about that is the whole book is just full of these stories of where like, it's so easy to look for God on mountaintop experiences. And it's, and it's so easy to cry out to God in the darkest valley moments. But where are we in everything in between those places? Because the majority of our life is spent somewhere in between those moments. Because if you look at scripture, yeah, like, you know, we look at all these like heroic, like awesome moments that happen, right? But yet, how much of the lives do we not read about of just people kind of living life? But yet, it's easy to look at, you know, these powerful stories and go, man, look at what God did right there. Look what God was doing there. Look how he rescued him from here. Or, you know, but yet. There were so many times where like, you know, it was like people wandering around for 40 years, you know, and like, but that wasn't mean, that doesn't mean God wasn't moving. He was, but it's just in the everyday part of life. And so for me, it's really trying to like, I go to work every morning, I can have a smile on my face and hopefully not be fake about it. (laughs) And, and if, even if I got to be fake about it just to maybe help someone else in that moment, like that doesn't have a smile on their face. Great. Like that's the simple part. And I think, but yet it's a really hard part. And, uh, yeah, so I'm really wordy. Sorry, but I, I, those are the places where I really feel like I, I see God's hand at work all the time. The details. He's in the details. Yeah. And people think that, um, if it doesn't like God wouldn't care about this little thing, you know, I need to paint my stairs. God doesn't care about like, but no, if it matters to us, it matters to him. And he's in every single mm-hmm. part of our lives. Um, so you, uh, care, you toured for a long time with Carrollton and now we'll just give the folks an idea of what, what were your goals as a musician? I know you're working at Graceland and you yep. have a project going on there with yeah. music. Where would you like to see? What would you like to do on the road? What are some future goals you have? That is a fantastic question that I've been asking myself and my wife. Um, cause I really don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and in some weird way, I'm kind of okay with that right now. Yeah. Um, I love, like I just started, so we've attended Graceland church now for a couple of years. I just started on staff there about six months ago. Um, worship arts, uh, department, uh, kind of, uh, helping, uh, our main worship pastor there, um, you know, with day-to-day things, but you know, we're the, our church is releasing music. Now we're writing original songs. We're releasing, uh, music, um, and you know, music videos, all those things. We're trying to figure out all those things and figure out what that looks like. Um, 
but there's a part of me that's just like, man, like I, I toured, I started touring in 99. Our last Carrollton event was November, 2020. So, you know, roughly 21 years uh, of on the road, part-time, full-time and everywhere in between. Um, if there is a in between of part-time and full-time, whatever that is. Um, okay. <laughs> I said that I'm like, wait, does that make sense? Um, and so I'm, you know, I'm almost 40. I wish I had these like big elaborate goals, but I love kind of where I'm at. Like I work at Meyer, mm-hmm. like in, you know, when I started there, I full honesty, I was almost like, dang on it. Like, this is what it's come to mm-hmm. like, <laughs> uh, you know, because it's like, I, I was able to tour and I was able to do all these like really awesome things, um, that most musicians don't get the opportunity to do. Um, and then it was like, Hey, you're going to work third shift and stock grocery shelves. Okay. Um, but that's what I needed to do at the time, you know? And, and so I did it and sorry, you didn't ask for this, but, no, I, I, but I'm going there go anyway. There. <laughs> um, but what I, it's like, it's hard for me to think of not working in Maya right now. Mm-hmm. I love the people that I get to be around. Uh, I've, I lived in such a bubble for so long. Um, I mean, a lot of my whole life, really, like just because I was so involved in the church and I was a jacked up human being. Don't get me wrong. But I was in this kind of bubble, played in Christian bands. We played at churches. We, you know, rarely did we do anything that wasn't kind of like faith based. And then it was like I worked at Meyer and I went, oh, yeah. I kind of forgot what the real world's like a little bit. <laughs> like not everybody's like me, you know? And, um, and at first, you know, it was a little weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've had some incredible conversations there with, with people that I think were challenging me at first that now I, I, I think we're honestly just having really good conversations and it's not like them just prodding, not really caring what the answer was. I think there's like prodding, Going, yeah, what is the answer? Or what do you think? And, you know, I'm like, hey, if I don't know the answer, I'm just going to tell you I don't. But I'll come back to you after I either look it up myself or talk to, you know, people that I trust that know way more about scripture than I do. And let's keep this conversation going. Um, So all that to go back to your original question of what are goals. um, I hope there's music. I say that because that's safe. So maybe there's something new out there that I don't know about. And that'll be really exciting if there is to chase that. But I also feel like music is just part of me. And, and so I get to do that at Graceland and I get to work with a a really awesome team of people there that I think are really Christ centered and and we're not just trying to do things to do things. I think there's very a, a lot of intentionality um, behind what we're trying to do uh, at the church. So I love that. Um, and and I get to create music with people there. But I also, I mean, I play drums there maybe once a month. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have we have some really awesome drummers there. I'm like, I don't need to play. Yeah. Like you guys do this, and let me. Let me go to church with my family or let me, let me, how can I help serve somewhere else? Um, so 
my wife's chasing college stuff right now. Like, so neither one of us went to college, like when, mo- I guess a lot of people go to college. Right. So she's chasing college things right now. And I love, like, I tell her all the time, I want to champion you with this, the way you've championed me for all these years. And I hope, you know, if I champion her 50% of, you know, uh, wait, I want to make sure I say this correctly. Uh, I'm going to butcher this. I know so what not, you're trying to say. Dang it, like, I, I, I don't know if that, where I was going with that. I don't know if, if that's I'm right. Even half the champion that, that she was yeah. like, I don't know if that's right. All I'm trying to say is I want to champion her the way she championed me. Yeah. Like, and, and if that means that music's done for me and you know, we'll just see where, where God takes me. But now I get to watch her grow and blossom in a way that isn't, you know, she's been a stay at home mom for, 13 years now and she's been awesome at it and that's way harder of a job than anything i've done Mm -hmm. like so i don't discredit that at all but i also want her to be able to you know like what spread her wings or you know whatever you yeah whatever thing you want to say it's like i want to see her do that and so she's chasing that now and and that's exciting to watch that's so cool michael thank you for your testimony for just even sharing a snippet of your story because i know Mm. Gosh, everybody has a big one. And and I know people aren't here right now listening to this, but there's a genuine, how do I say it? A genuine desire to literally do what God wants you to do and be who he wants you to be. And we're all just trying. And thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. So, Thanks for having me today. Appreciate it. I love you. what you're doing with this. Uh, we're just all trying to do our best, right? <laughs> I love so, it. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Eyes That See podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Eyes That See Pod to stay up to date on new episode drops and more. Again, thanks for joining us and be sure to subscribe to the show and tune in next time.